welcome to the Bullcast Podcast. I'm Katie Pickler, and with me as always is Court Winsett. Good morning, Katie. And Cameron Spann. Howdy, howdy. How y'all doing? Mm. <laughs> it's starting to feel like fall, so I'm doing a little better. I mean, there's this new thing on TV. I mean, I guess it's not really new. It's just everybody's excited it's back. I mean, football, right? <laughs> Everything spins around football. You've got your office rivalries. You've got so much going on. I'll admit, this episode came from someone internal in our office, and it's talking about college football. And obviously, I went to college. I attended college football games. I occasionally watch college football, but I had no idea about this topic today. So we had to bring in an expert. <laughs> oh, an expert. An expert. You're, you're putting the pressure on her. I know. She's sitting in this room and the look on her face, she's like, She's like, no, please don't. So uh, we've actually teased this guest before. She is uh, Nicole. She actually works with us and she is our content marketing specialist. If that isn't a fancy title, I don't know what is. <laughs> But so she really has come on board. We're excited to have her. She's helping us brainstorm with our episodes, but she is a huge college football fan and she wanted to pitch the idea of us talking about NIL. Yep. Better known as name, image, and likeness. NIL rights. This is the new paradigm of college football. And so we're going to bring Nicole on. She's going to talk about it a lot. Hopefully Cameron is going to pitch in some because... Of course. I, I mean, you know, I like college football as much as the next person, but I'm not like a super fan or an expert or anything. So Cameron, why don't we go to our guest? Here comes Nicole. Bring in the guest. Okay, so as I mentioned, we have a guest today. Nicole, why don't you say hello to everybody? Hello, everyone. Nicole Ellis. She's kind of my right-hand woman here. Mm. She's a fairly new hire, but she's rocking and rolling as content marketing specialist. Did I get that right? That's correct. So you (gasps) should definitely check out our social media pages. So we're talking college football today. Very exciting. And what's your alma mater? I graduated from Ole Miss in 2019. Mm. I know what you're about to say. Hail (laughs) State. No, no, we're... We're very friendly around here. At least to each other's faces. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I guess I'm the the weak link here because I graduated from a school that basically it's a division three school. So, you know. Are you the weak link or the weak links? Yeah. I don't support my alma mater in any way whatsoever, including not bringing up their team name, their mascot, their beautiful campus or anything else. It is Hogwarts. It is beautiful. I mean, whatever. All three of my kids went to division one schools. We kind of started off with UVA and I was like, hey, it's a division one school. I don't care that they're terrible. And then by the time that my daughter graduated from there, you know, they had actually won a basketball championship and had become competitive with their football team. My son went to UT. That's four years of football life lost basically (laughs) sorry ut fans but the last four years have been kind of sad well this year is their year right i hear that every Uh, year it's our year yeah yeah and then a perennially strong team with the oregon ducks but they've been kind of struggling since my daughter got there so i thought i was going to have a team to root for got a lot of ducks paraphernalia but i'm still waiting for them to to get back to national championship caliber well, at least you don't have an LSU kid. They struggled in their first week. Struggled. Mm. Yeah, but I kind of like the way Orgeron 
Uh, it was like, which, what do you think about the fact that they're letting you go with that $17 million payoff? And he's like, where's the door? Yep. That's a pretty sweet deal. Let's talk about NIL, shall we? Nicole, you're the expert here, Apparently, right? we'll go with that. Yeah, give us that breakdown of what NIL means. We talked about name, image, likeness, but yes. give us a little bit more. An NIL deal allows student-athletes to be compensated for marketing deals. The deals are mainly working with local businesses, marketing campaigns, social media-related content with brands, training clinics, as well as appearances and autograph signings. Yeah, now, so the, to be clear, the NIL deals are not through the schools that they go to. I mean, no. the, the school do not pay them for their name, image, or likeness. It's the, it's Correct. businesses. Correct. It's a business transaction. And would you say it's a marketing ploy? 100%. There it is. Our marketing girl says it's a marketing ploy. Yes. As a lover of college football and marketing, this is very exciting. Now, when I hear NIL, I think about a video game from years ago, the NCAA college football game, right. that they took away for a long time, and I believe they're bringing it back. It's a rumor. It's a rumor. Why does NIL remind you of that? Because I think it had to do with them being paid. I don't know if they were paid for the game, but just their image being on there. Oh, okay. I got yeah, you. Yeah. Being on the cover of the game, all the college players being in the game, you could play as one. Mm-hmm. I think it had to do with that. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Because back then, the NC2A rules used to be that you couldn't... NC2A is amateur. You can't be a professional sports player. And a big part of that was basically getting paid for doing anything having to do with playing for the team that you played for or anything that might evolve from that. Getting paid for your image on the NC2A football game, wearing, you know, your football team's jersey, and if you were to get paid for that, then that would ruin your amateur status. But the thing was... That wasn't really fair. They're using these guys' names, their images, and they're not getting paid for it. I bet you the schools were getting paid for it. Oh, yeah. That's probably what led to the game being discontinued there. For sure. And fun story, I went to Ole Miss and was there during the whole Hugh Freeze, um, Robert Kimdichi era. So in 2014, I believe, college game day came to Oxford. It was a huge deal. It was the first time they had ever come. So obviously, I woke up at 2 a.m. and traveled to Oxford obviously. to go for that. Obviously. <laughs> and there was a union sitting out. Not They weren't selling t-shirts. They were giving them away for free. If you know me, I love free shirts, so of course All I grabbed one. All college kids do. Of course, right? Um, and I didn't look at it until later, but the saying on the shirt said, what's the NCAA without its players, with the S being a money sign. So no. it's been very controversial, especially at Ole Miss. And if you know the history of Hugh Freeze, you know, we got in a lot of trouble. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about the timeline of NIL. Sure. Let's do it. Hit the first one, Nicole. We'll do a little round robin here. So in December of 1905, December 28th, the first incarnation of the NCAA is formed. Amateurism is preached as a core tenet. Early 1987, SMU receives the NC2A's first death penalty for repeated violations, including pay for play. Oh, big jump here. September of 2010, Reggie Bush returns Heisman Trophy after NCAA investigated and then sanctioned USC. I do remember that. That was some book. Anyway. <laughs> August 8th, 2014, O'Bannon versus NCAA. Former UCLA basketball player Ed O'Bannon challenged the NCAA's use of former athletes NIL for commercial purposes. Which is, again, some some we already said it, but I mean, it just seems completely unfair that players aren't going to get paid for, for their name, image, and likeness, but the NCAA C2A is going to be able to use it. That's some nonsense. Okay, so early 2019, California Senate Bill 206. This is where basically the state was like, nah, NC2A can suck it. 
Uh, and Bill 206, the Fair Pay to Play Act was proposed. Okay, these next few dates are getting kind of back to back here. June 21st, 2021, NCAA versus Alston. That is the case that basically led to NIL being a thing. All right, July 1st, 2021, various NIL state laws went into effect. Basically, a bunch of states followed California's lead and were like, yeah, no, players should be able to get paid for their NIL. February 2022, collectives begin to talk openly about visiting with recruits. March 2022, a five-star recruit in the class of 2023 signs an NIL deal worth as much as $8 million. Ooh, he's about to get paid. For sure. April 28th, 2022, Miami guard Isaiah Wong's agent publicly announces Wong will transfer unless his NIL compensation increases. Ooh, and now we're getting to the greedy side of NIL. Early May 2022, college sports leaders meet in Phoenix and announce an impending crackdown of booster-related NIL payments. So the interesting thing about all this is I think that people took very, very definite sides on whether NIL was a good thing or not. Obviously, I've expressed my opinion that it was not fair for anybody to be profiting off the name, image, or likeness of a college player if that college player could not also profit from that. I don't think it was fair for the schools to profit off of them. I don't think it was fair for certainly for the NC2A, who is the one that created the rules saying that they couldn't profit from their own name, image, or likeness. It's not, it's not fair for them to profit if the players can't profit. So I'm very much on that side of things. I wanted the players, if anybody is going to be able to profit from it, it should be the players was always my position. I was for the idea that the court, you know, in Austin basically said that uh, name image likeness was okay and that the NC2A couldn't prevent players from doing it if the states had approved it. So with the court having said that, I was like, cool, no problem. That's great. Other people were like, it's going to ruin the purity of college sports. Amateurism is a core tenet of college sports. And if players are, are able to get paid, then we're going to have nothing better than a just a larger, low market, you know, professional league where players are bouncing around from school to school. And uh, the big teams dominate because they're the ones with all of the money. Well, the interesting thing about it from my perspective is, I still was able to rationalize, no, the biggest teams will not necessarily be the most dominant teams because the teams themselves can't pay the players for their name, image, likeness. It can't be the school. So like a school like Alabama, for instance, that's got such a dominant program and has all of the money in the world for that program, but they can't give their players more money because of name, image, likeness. It, it has to be a company that's giving the players. And so I was, you know, kind of, starry-eyed and was like, the big schools are not going to be able to take more advantage of this than the small schools. And my perfect example was, we live in a market, University of Memphis is the big school in our city, but they're, you know, they are not a big school by any stretch, at least not financially. And they've never had a big football program. So I thought, you know, perfect example, Memphis has FedEx headquartered here. Name, image, and likeness, you know, if FedEx is helping out a player at Memphis with a name, image, and likeness deal then that puts Memphis up in terms of the, the overall advantage that they would have compared to some team that is a huge football team and a huge football program, but they're in the middle of Tuscaloosa, Alabama. <laughs> but let's be honest. There have always been under-the-table deals at schools since the dawn of college football. Yeah, no I'm... one will admit to it, but a certain player that shares my first name in a certain southern state next to Mississippi, I'm sure, got paid. For sure. You know who I'm talking about. We yes. all know who you're talking there about. There we go. <laughs> the, 
this is nothing new here. Players have always gotten paid. It's just whether or not the schools that are paying them are getting caught or the boosters that are the schools that have the boosters that are that's paying right. them are getting caught. I guess that's the big problem that people like me who were idealistic about this program didn't really factor in the fact that just because we've got FedEx here in Memphis doesn't mean that there isn't some booster that has a billion dollar company in New York, but that graduated from, you know, University of Alabama that's willing to give a name image likeness to somebody from University of Alabama because that's their alma mater. Right. So we have seen what a lot of people predicted. We've seen a lot of people bouncing around from school to school for name image and likeness deals and for whatever they think the better opportunity is going to be in a, in a different city. And so the, the, the doomsayers uh, have been proven at least somewhat correct. I don't know. Do you all have a different opinion? I have absolutely no rebuttal to what you just said. I completely agree with you. I mean, before NILs, these college players really had no money to even live off of, which is probably why they were under the table deals, so to say. Um, but yeah, I think it's perfectly fine. If it's there, I mean, I would take it. So Nicole, where does NIL, that whole situation, stand as we talk right now, September of 2022? The latest about the NIL deal is probably what everyone who at least lives in the South knows about Nick Saban from Alabama and Jimbo Fisher with Texas A&M. They got in a huge feud, argument, whatever you want to call it, this past summer. I think Nick Saban, you know, Alabama always has the number one recruiting class. It just, he never falls past one. It's there every time. And I believe this is the first year the recruiting class coming in has NIL deals, and Texas A&M actually overtook number one, which moved Alabama to number two. And basically, Nick Saban came out and just said, we don't pay players to come here and that Texas A&M cheated. Jimbo Fisher came back and called him a narcissist and wanted people to go into <laughs> the background, that. which is wonderful. Locker room fuel for Alabama, for sure. Um, can't wait to watch that game. Well, let's talk about uh, the rules for NIL. So number one, universities and conferences cannot limit a student athlete to be eligible for compensation for their NIL. Number two, NIL dealings cannot interfere with existing school contracts. Number three, athletes must report all NIL deals to their athletic department to make sure the deal follows the state's NIL laws. And lastly, it says in May 2022, the NCAA established new guidelines on dealings with boosters. Donors, also known as boosters, are strictly prohibited from any sort of athlete recruitment as it would breach the NCAA rules. So four very succinct rules. Correct. Let's talk about the other side of the coin. We know the NIL is rolling. Like it's it's a thing. Yeah, it's not going away. It's going no. can't, the, yeah. You can't give these kids uh, the opportunity to make money like this, especially some of the, the, the big money that could be made. We're going to talk about our list is going to be the best NIL deals or the, the craziest NIL deals. So we'll get into that. But you can't give these kids the opportunity to make money. A lot of these kids obviously coming from impoverished situations, you can't give them the opportunity to make money at an early age and then just roll back the rules and say, no, we take it back. You're you're not allowed, especially because the rules are now based on state law and based on a court saying that it's okay. So what do you do since you can't roll it back? What do you do? You know, I, like I said, I'm for these people being able to make money off of their name, image, and likeness. I am not for schools being able to pay their athletes for their performance on a team. I'm not, you know, I'm for that remaining a rule against and so forth. And the rule about boosters not being able to recruit makes sense to me. And I wasn't really aware of what the rules are. So that kind of, you know, my whole chitter chatter about boosters and how that's affected by that rule, I don't know. I'm, I'm interested in how all of this is going to work. 
but I don't think it it goes away. So coaches like Saban, who are saying that Texas A&M is cheating, I think they're going to have to get used to a new way of doing things. The combination of NIL and the transfer portal, I think, have really opened up students having a lot more input into what school they go to and being able to take advantage of deals in particular cities. Yeah, the game is evolving and I'm starting to think it may make athletes perform even better if they're being paid. Because think about it, if you're featured on the cover of a video game, you know, for millions of people to see, to play as you, you're probably going to try your very best, right? If there's money on the line, if your name is everywhere. Mm. There has definitely been an erosion of the purity of the amateur sport aspect of the game, of the college football game. After all, these institutions are learning institutions. They're first and foremost supposed to be about educating students and those students graduating with a degree and learning a a skill and being able to be productive members of adult society. That changes a little bit with this new wrinkle, but it it doesn't go away. That's still the the school's main objective is going to be to educate its students, but we also can't turn a blind eye to the fact that football has been big business for a long, long time. Way longer than NIL has been around. Football has been huge for a lot of major schools. And there are a lot of schools that really, really try to claw their way into becoming major schools because of how much money it generates. So the idea that all schools are there for is to educate and, you know, produce productive members of society later on. It's nonsense. I'm sorry. What are your thoughts, Nicole, on the whole NIL thing? At the end of the day, it's all about money. Why do you think Texas and Oklahoma are coming into the SEC in a few years? Mm-hmm. I mean, they see a greater opportunity probably with the NIL deals and just the SEC is like the epitome of college football. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to come to the South and play. And, you know, I know there's this talk about a fear of creating a mega conference, which who knows if that will ever happen, when it will ever happen. But yeah, everything about this. It's about money. I mean, they're going to play harder. You have players dropping out of their bowl game so they're NFL, they don't get hurt and they can get drafted early on in the NFL. I would think it's silly to avoid and like not see the importance of NIL in today's time. And it's people are going to keep talking about this and it's going to keep changing and evolving probably each year as we go on. Cameron, if you could come up with a rule, like if you thought there would be one rule that might have a positive effect on the abuse of the NIL system and the negative effect that it might be having on the college football system. Is there a rule that you can think of that you would suggest that would be reasonable, but that would maybe help? Do you think they would put a cap on NIL deals per conference? And the reason I ask is because right now, SEC will get all of the NIL deals. I mean, it's a powerhouse. I mean, I I don't like the idea of fairness, like there can only be five per conference, something like that. Because, I mean, you go to the Sunbelt Conference, who are they going to put on the cover of a video game? I mean, no no hate to the Sunbelt, but again, I'm just thinking out loud here. Like I said in the very beginning of this podcast, the reason I went on that long diatribe about where my kids go to school is because my kids might have a dog in this hunt, but I don't have a dog in this hunt. So I've never been a big college football fan. I know that it's a big moneymaker. And I think the athletes should be able to to benefit from the money that it makes. <laughs> Nicole, what about you? Maybe you could set a limit on how many deals you can take. In our list that we will talk about eventually, 
there is one student who calls himself the king of the NIL, mm. and he has over 70 NIL deals. And now he's teaching classes on how to be smart and which NIL deals to take and what NIL deals to avoid, things like that. Mm. So maybe there could be a limit on how many or the price limit going forward, but that's just a thought. I guess everything has to be based on the fact that basically the court said that it's down to the state to come up with reasonable regulations. So each state could have its own laws. I guess it's down to the state to come up with the rules that are applied. I think that you're on to sort of the idea that I would go with, which is you can't stop them. I I don't think it's fair to stop them from getting paid for their name, image, and likeness. Don't pay them to play for you, but you can't stop them from basically making what amount to outside business deals. But to be a college player, you have to be a college student. So you have to take classes. You have to have a minimum of course load and you have to be passing all of your courses in your minimum course load. I would think that if you're going to get paid for name, image, and likeness, then there needs to be evidence, first of all, that your name, image, and likeness is being used and that the amount that you're getting paid is in line with what the market would demand of anybody else's name, image, and likeness. So in other words, there needs to be some demonstration that you're not getting paid way more than you should for your name, image, and likeness. Given your popularity, how many people they actually think will buy whatever product you're selling in whatever market it is you're selling it can't be exorbitant pay. It needs to be in line with whatever the market would demand under the circumstances. That's a great segue into our list. You want to do our list? Sure. The list is the craziest NIL deals so far. Let's do round robin. Nicole, start it off. DeColdis Crawford of Nebraska football signs with a local HVAC company. That makes total sense to me. <laughs> DeColdis. <laughs> oh, yeah. the warmest. Took me a second. Did it take you a minute to get took, there? Yeah. <laughs> Bijan Robinson of Texas signs with Lamborghini Austin and also launched new mustard <laughs> brand called Bijan Mustardson, the official Dijon of Bijan. <laughs> that is that makes my marketing heart so happy. Yes. What's better, the DeColdest or the Bijan Mustardson? <laughs> Raekwon Smith of Norfolk State signs over 70 NIL deals known as King of NIL leaving football to become a decathlete at Norfolk State. State. Champs, sports, body armor, and Arby's. He has the meat. He wasn't benefiting from the school he was at. He got these NIL deals on his own. Some well-known player? I I don't know. I don't recognize his name. How did he get so many NIL deals? Nobody, Nobody knows. He's got an inside man. He's got a good agent. He's not even playing football anymore. He moved to being a decathlete. I wonder if any of his NIL deals were like, wait, you're not even going to play football? Then never mind. Wait, you know, deal's over. Yeah, I will say he does go to an HBCU and included in this Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher feud. Saban also came out and said Jackson State paid a guy a million dollars last year that was really good. And I believe he was committed to Florida State, but then went to Jackson State with Mm -hmm. Deion Sanders Mm -hmm. and basically said there's no reason he would do that, which is incredibly offensive if you ask me. But Deion Sanders was not happy about that and I think it yeah there there was plenty of reason for him to go to Jackson State and play for Deion Sanders I'm sorry you know exactly but, okay, whatever okay next on the list is Jaden Rashada he's a Miami commit so he's not even at Miami yet and he signed an alleged 9.5 million dollar NIL contract dang Texas Tech 
awarded team NIL deal. Team NIL deal. Okay. Each scholarship player earns a base salary of $25,000. Now see, that's a little that's a little questionable for me. That's that's like verging on uh, Did that cross the line for you? I feel like I feel a little bit oogie about that one. Yeah. They just want to make sure everyone from the quarterback to the punter and long snapper gets paid. You're basically getting paid for being on the team. And that's it's a participation it's trophy. E- it's equality. Uh, I don't that that one's that one's a little oogie. Tyler Van Dyke of Miami receives lease for BMW, leasing until he leaves the university. That's fine, whatever. Yeah, so if he wants to enter the transfer portal, he has to give up his BMW. Yeah. More fuel to stay at Miami. Yeah, see, again, that's an interesting I feel like that's crossing a line. That's not a that's not an NIL deal. What is is he promoting BMW? Are they using his likeness in ads? Or is he just He's you know, probably posting Instagram photos with hashtag BMW sponsor. See, there need to be some rules. Obviously it's getting a little out of hand, but I still stand by my, my original assertion. You can't take it away. You can't put the cap back in the genie bottle. Correct. Oklahoma signs a deal with Fanatics, which allows customized jerseys on the team shop and online. Okay, so again, that's the school Correct. signing a deal with see, some of these are Okay, Bryce Young, back to an individual, it looks like. Bryce Young of Alabama has already made $800,000 from NIL deals. Wait a second, from Alabama? He's Alabama's quarterback and yeah. current Heisman winner. Yeah, so um, what's, what's Saban say about him? Huh? What's Not what here? he said about Jimbo Fisher. Bryce Young of Alabama has already made $800,000 from NIL deals with Cash App, Onyx Authenticated, and multiple trading card companies, Noble and Dollar Shave Club. Actually, I like Noble stuff. Have y'all seen this I stuff? have no idea mm-hmm. what that is. It's athletic gear. Oh, okay. I looked at their shoes. You know, I'm, I like You're shoes. a shoe guy. I'm a shoe guy. And they've got some pretty cool shoes. Maybe Noble should sponsor Bullcast. <laughs> oh, that'd be pretty sweet. Back to Tyler Van Dyke. I'm scrolling his Instagram. There is no photo of a BMW. And it's not even plugged in his bio. So just what a car for him to drive. Maybe he had to get back his BMW. Maybe. Maybe so. All right. Uh, CJ Stroud of Ohio State receives $150,000 Bentley with Sarchione Auto Gallery. And lastly, this one made me laugh. Over 51 offensive linemen have signed with Hooters. <laughs> it just makes sense. We have to include sense. the big guys into this. Absolutely. Instead of doing a bullseye, I figured since we got the, the sports people on the podcast, we would talk about our top most heart-crushing and maybe heart-joyous college football moment. One each for each of us. You know, I just figured we'd go around the table and talk about it. What do, what do, you, what do you got, Cam? I'll start with my happy moment. It has to do with Mississippi State 2014 when Dak Prescott led us to be the number one college football team. It'll never happen again. And it was just a big deal to see us on Sports Illustrated. Mm. And I think Ole Miss was right we there. We were tied at we were one tied, point, yeah. either like two or three. And gosh, the hell that caused in this stake. <laughs> and that's why I followed Dak to the Cowboys. My happiest moment. There's not many to choose from as an Ole Miss fan. Um, the Sugar Bowl with Chad Kelly. That stands out. You know, Laramie Tunsil scored a touchdown. That was pretty spectacular. This past season, I believe, is the first time winning 10 games in one season. Lane Kiffin is the greatest of all time, so anything that he does makes me laugh. (laughs) So, happiest? There's probably more that I can't think of at the moment, but those are some pretty good memories that I have. And just growing up watching football with my dad, even though I was probably depressed half the time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't remember the year, um, but I do remember the. I remember it happening, and I remember what a big deal it was. And that would be the first, and as far as I'm aware, the only time the University of Memphis has ever beaten the University of Tennessee. 
and that was a huge deal. It was while Peyton Manning was was the quarterback for UT, and they came to Memphis and played, and we beat them. And you would have thought we won the Super Bowl with with as big a deal as that was. That was a huge moment. Uh, one of my favorite moments of recent memory that I you know I just, neither of them are my team, but I just just I think it's fun uh, is that field goal run back that Auburn did against oh, Alabama at the man. end of the game. <laughs> we're going to make a lot of Alabama fans mad in this podcast. I know, I know. But Abby and I were driving back from the beach and we had the game on the radio and just listening to it as it was happening live. Of course, we weren't watching it, but the announcers were just so into it. Mm-hmm. And oh, it's amazing. It was a perfect football moment. I would say for me, heart crushing moment would be anytime University of Memphis football team has started to look like they were actually going to get good and be competitive and then they lose their coach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like Mississippi State. I'll go I'll go real recent with State. A heart-crushing moment was when we played Memphis last year at the Liberty yeah, Bowl. Yeah, you did. We were doing well, but we were battling the refs. And I know everybody says that, but if you just go back and look, it's just ridiculous. But we beat them this year. Yeah, she <laughs> clobbered them this year. them. <laughs> that was a heartbreaking moment for me. <laughs> I talked a little smack to a friend of mine who's a Mississippi State supporter, and I had to tuck my tail and turn around and go home after that. Actually, two happier moments that I just thought of was Ole Miss beating Alabama in two years in a row, tearing down the field goal post. What's that like to beat Alabama? Um, You know, I don't know as of recent. Don't know, but at the time, it was a wonderful feeling. I wanted to tear down every field goal post in Oxford. However, I've experienced a lot of unhappiness. All I have to say is 4th and 25 against Arkansas. Mm. Literally destroyed me. I haven't been the same since. (laughs) Well, Nicole, it's been fun having you. Thank Uh, you. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to Nicole Ellis, a wonderful guest to talk about our NIL rights uh, podcast episode in honor of the fact that it is now officially college football season. By the time you all listen to this, it will actually be a few weeks into college football season, so who knows where everybody will stand. But... Nicole, we appreciate having you. Uh, Come back anytime you want. Thanks for having me. I'm right around the corner if you ever need me again. Well, that was fun. Oh, yeah. I always love talking about college football. I know so much. (laughs) (laughs) And now we know even more about NIL. To all those college, big college football fans out there, I apologize. I can't really talk too authoritatively on this subject, but I sure sounded like I had an opinion, didn't I? That's right. (laughs) One last little thing. Part of the reason that I have such an opinion is because I'm a bigger fan of the Olympics, I guess, just generally speaking, and knowledgeable about that than I am about college football, if I'm being honest. So it's more of a spectacle. Yeah. I mean, you know, when I was a kid, man, they only happened every four years. They the same year they would do the the Winter Olympics and the Summer Olympics all in one year. They didn't have them staggered every two years like they do now. So the Olympics were a big deal. Uh, And I remember, I, I very, very clearly remember 1984 Olympics would have been the first time that I really was big into it. And I was a kid. And I wasn't even a twinkle in my parents' eyes. (laughs) So I never really got the concept of amateurism and the idea of amateur sports and why it was such a big deal in the Olympics, especially because back in the 80s, especially, this was before any professional athletes were allowed. But all of the Eastern Bloc countries had basically professional athletes. They had athletes that the nations of the Eastern Bloc, Russia, you know, the Soviet Union, they had athletes that they paid as soldiers or students or whatever. 
but they basically were paid to practice their sport all the time. And Western countries like the U.S. and and Western European countries didn't have that. And so their athletes couldn't compete with the Russians. And on on a very basic level, I just didn't understand, you know, why that was a thing and why it was such a big deal that the athletes had to be amateurs to be able to compete in the Olympics or why they had to be amateurs to be able to compete on a college team. You know, it's the same concept. So always, like for my entire life, I've kind of struggled with the idea of well, if we if we allow players to get paid for their sport, then does that somehow erode the sport altogether? Does the sport suffer from it? Like, for instance, we as we discussed with the NIL stuff, has college football or college sport in general suffered just from NIL? Would it suffer even more if they were just flat out paid to play their sport? Uh, and of course, that's a debate that I think is probably going to go on for a while. But we let professional athletes in the Olympics and or at least in, in many of the sports in the Olympics, and it doesn't seem to have harmed the Olympics. No, not at all. So one of the stories that you can't talk about amateurism or amateur sport or the Olympics without getting into one of the more ridiculous or hilarious applications of the label of amateur that you will ever hear. And of course, it involves a very, very famous, at least to football fans, football player, Jim Thorpe. One of the great overall athletes in modern history. Yes. He was, I can't remember what organization it was, but there's an organization that named him the greatest athlete of the first half of the 20th century. Yeah, he was a football player, decathlete. I mean, he was... He actually played professionally in football, in baseball, and also in basketball, technically. He didn't play for the uh, NBA, per se, but he played on a team that was the, I can't remember exactly what their name was, but it was something like the Indian all-basketball team or something, and they traveled around, kind of like the the Harlem Globetrotters, they traveled around, quote-unquote, barnstorming. So they, they would go to different towns and just play exhibition games. So he, And he helped create the NFL, right? Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. he played for the Canton Bulldogs, I yeah, believe. He, yeah, he played for the Canton Bulldogs, and um, side note, that's why the NFL Football Hall of Fame is, is in Canton, Ohio, because the Canton Bulldogs and so forth. But that's beside the point. I'm getting way off track here. <laughs> okay, so back to what I was saying. He, he played professionally, but before he was a professional sportster, he played baseball in college, he played football in college, he played basketball in college. Anyway, he was, he was an, an amateur, whatever. In 1912, he, for the 1912 Olympics, he went, it seems to me, kind of on a whim, but I, I don't know whether it was or not, but he went to the uh, 1912 Olympic trials to try out for the decathlon and the pentathlon. And at the trials, he, he won the pentathlon trials handily. And then ultimately, the decathlon trials were canceled. I'm not sure why. They just basically said, okay, you do the decathlon too, since you did so well in the pentathlon. Those are two words that I don't want to say a whole lot. More. And that's when you know you're a good runner when they're just like, you pass this one, so you're in the next yeah, one too. Yeah, do, do, do both. So he competed in the 1912 Olympics and won a gold medal in both the pentathlon and in the decathlon. Again, an example of just how great an all-around athlete he was, was the fact that he was able to excel so much in a sport that's all about being an all-around athlete. Take a step back to me going off and ranting about amateurism. The entire idea of amateurism was started by the UK and the U.S. in the 1800s. So, you know, we're talking 19th century, like, private boys' schools. They thought that it was beneath people who were gentlemen to practice in a single sport. They needed to be good all-around athletes. (laughs) 
And so they didn't need to be paid to practice in one particular sport because it was not gentlemanly to compete in just one and to practice and be the best at just one. You needed to just be a good all-around athlete. So jumping back forward to Jim Thorpe, he was the best all-around athlete. He was just naturally gifted at all of the things, you know? Um, so, so this idea that, that it's ungentlemanly to be uh, good at one thing, he wasn't good at one thing. He was the epitome of the concept of amateurism because he was good at everything all around. In 1913, the year after the Olympics, the year after the Olympics it came out in the newspaper that he had actually played professional summer league baseball while he was in college, which apparently a lot of college players did to earn money while they were out of school for the summer. So while he was in college, he, during the summer to earn a little extra money, he would play professional quote-unquote baseball. We're not talking major league baseball. We're just talking like professional baseball leagues. He would get paid somewhere around like, say, $2 a game. So, I mean, we're talking pocket Minimal. Yeah. So it came out that he did this uh, and the amateur union or whatever the heck it was that, that governed amateur sports and whether or not you were an amateur basically revoked his amateur status over the fact that he had played for peanuts in this summer league. They revoked his amateur status. And then shortly after that, the International Olympic Committee revoked his his medals because he had lost his amateur status. So greatest all-around athlete, one of the greatest athletes in history. He's in the Football Hall of Fame. Football was apparently his favorite sport. He had his gold medals from the Olympics taken away because he basically played for money so that he could eat during the summer while he was not in school. Right. It's crazy. There was a whole movie made about this called Jim Thorpe All-American. I think it starred, it was. In, it came out, I think, in the 50s or 60s starring Burt Lancaster. Mm-hmm. So you can watch that. It's a good movie. I can't help but wonder what he would think of the current NIL world we're living yeah, in. I don't know. You know, it's kind of a sad end story to his life. He ended up dying of heart failure. He had a problem with alcohol abuse later in his mm-hmm. life. After he retired from professional sports, he didn't succeed in, in any other career. So sort of a sad end to life. And he was never aware, because he died before they did it, that eventually the Olympic Committee actually reinstated his gold medals. Oh, wow. Why? Because originally when his gold medals had been revoked or taken away, whatever you want to call it, they had not done it within 30 days of his competition. And there was a rule in 1912, for the Olympics of 1912, there was a rule that any contest of an Olympic medal had to be made within 30 days of, of the competition or it was invalid and they had just revoked them. They had revoked them, you know, a year after he won them. So certainly not within 30 days. In the 80s, they reinstated his medals, but, you know, by then he was long not of this world. So the Olympic Committee didn't even read their own terms of... Yeah, I mean, the whole... Use. Life, <laughs> it just, it, it sort of puts a, a kind of an exclamation point on the, what are we really doing here with this amateur stuff? Yeah. I mean, it was conceived by a bunch of aristocrats... <laughs> Back in the 19th century, it is used nowadays by organizations that shall not be named like the NC2A to, again, use to their advantage young, a lot of times urban athletes who do not have a lot of money to their names and they're making a lot of money for schools, but they weren't seeing a lot of it for themselves. And it's all in the name of amateurism because we want purity of sport. I just... Ridiculous. I mean, you know, you look at something like Jim Thorpe and this has been going on for a century or more. This is just... It's crazy. Well, this has been fascinating. And a new segment, I'm thinking, Court's History Lesson. (laughs) Sorry, Katie. (laughs)
Oh, listen to that. There's the closing bell. <laughs> Saved by the bell. Ladies and gentlemen, you've made it to the end of yet another episode of the Bullcast Podcast. If you liked what you heard and you'd like to hear more, please feel free to go to get your favorite subscription service and sign up to have our podcast beam directly to your favorite listening device every single Thursday at noon. If you'd like to find out more about me, Cameron, or Katie, please feel free to go to our website. That's bullcastpodcast.com. Leave a comment. Leave a suggested topic. We will be happy to air your grievances live. Except not live, recorded, but still. We should do a live show sometime. Mm, I don't know. Uh, compliance would hate that. Never mind. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> Uh, if you like pictures, boy, do we have them. We've got them on the Instagram. Uh, Instagram handle is at Bullcast Podcast. And we also have words on Twitter. That Twitter handle is at Bullcast Podcast as well. As we have mentioned before, Cameron, Katie, Nicole, and I all work for a place called Pickler Wealth Advisors. And if you'd like to find out more information about any of the four of us or what we do or the amazing team that we work with, and of course, find out more about our boss, David Pickler, please feel free to go to that website. That website is picklerwealthadvisors.com. That's advisors with an O. Not an E. Not an E. Ladies and gentlemen, I've given you everything you need to be going forth and being joyous and merry in life. So for now, I'm Court. I'm Cam. And Katie will be back next week. We out.